Good morning, everyone. Uh, this series that we're in right now, How to Hear God's Word, is a, I just, I love talking about these things. And I've been often wanting, we, we've never done a series like this, where we've looked at kind of how to hear God speak through his words. We've looked at, of course, lots of Bible books, but what's kind of going on behind that? How do we hear God uh, through his word? And so I'm so glad that we're spending some time to really slow down and learn how to listen well and really appreciate the word of God. We said that the purpose of the Bible is to help us to know God and to love God and to love others. And that, the, that as we approach the Bible in trust and in love, we'll, 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 we'll have the kind of heart that can receive his truth. Today, what we want to do is examine the heart of listening. And it's through this idea of context. Now, if I said to you the phrase, uh, the Canadians fought with the Americans, uh, what would you think? What's going on? What does that mean? Does the fought with mean that we fought against or we fought alongside? How would you understand that? How would you figure out what's meant by that sentence? Well, you'd need to know the context. And when you know the context, then the, the sentence is, is plain and obvious. Context really, really matters. Uh, <clears throat> this is why we need to get to know God's world and, and understand the context in which the Bible was written. And then we have more, it's, it's much easier to understand what he's trying to communicate to us. So to listen well then, we must value context. So what we're going to do, because I love doing this, we have a little acronym, context, C-O-N-T-E-X, it's going to be one word, and then T. We're going to look at these different relational contexts in which to, how to better understand God's word. So the first C is a com complete story. What is the complete story? Well, we know in Matthew 22 <coughs> that the, the sum of the law and the prophets is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So it doesn't matter what part of the Bible that you're reading, how difficult it is to understand, that the whole point of whatever's being written is this meta-theme of love and relationship. So we emphasize that a lot in our church for one very simple reason. It's not because we like it the most, it's because it's what the Bible emphasizes. And so you won't understand scripture unless you understand the whole story, the complete story, and what's really being talked about, how to have a love relationship with God and others. And then in Luke 24, um, Jesus describes how all of scripture points to him. And so we see that Jesus is always the hero of the story, of this love story. And so when we know that things are pointing to the work of Jesus and how he fulfills the, uh, the, 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 the story of love, it gives us a context to make sense of the bits. This is in, in contrast to something that's very, very common in Bible reading. And the fancy word for it is proof texting. So we have an idea. We believe in that idea. Uh, but we want, we, and so what we do is we go through the Bible hunting for a place to support what we already think. And we come up, oh, this supports what I believe. Well, it's taken out of context 
but if you it, but it, it kind of reinforces what I've already thought. What most of us do is have favorite bits of the Bible. I don't know. I only know of one person who said that their favorite book of the Bible was Leviticus. I think that's so great. <clears throat> but we have parts that we pick and choose from, don't we? We refer, we prefer to to read maybe the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, or some people like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, those main or Romans two, maybe you know Paul's letters, and we we uh, we like these these favorite parts because for us they're easier to understand and they they kind of seem to simplify things. Well. If I want to know somebody, I can't just know the parts of them that are easy to understand. I'll miss whole dimensions of who they are. You know, Debbie and I have been married for, for 36 years. And uh, some of our conversations and experiences have been incredibly painful. Some of the things that we've gone through have been really, really difficult. Not easy. Very hard to understand. But I know my wife better going through those difficult moments than if those moments never existed. I know her better because I've seen her in difficult and hard to understand times. We need to do the same thing with God. It might be difficult to read through the minor prophets or to read through Leviticus, but we will understand dimensions of God there that will, uh, that will provide a, a healthier and more complete picture of who God is. And so God wrote a complete story. And as we understand the parts to make sense of the whole and the whole makes sense of the parts, we will have a greater revelation of who God is by reading passages in, in the context of the complete story. So, um, <clears throat> so here's a question that we can ask ourselves. Um, God, how does this part fit into the greater whole? What does this have to do with anything? Uh, such a helpful question to ask. What, is, how do, what does this have to do with, you know, Daniel seeing a vision of a statue and, and clay and bronze? What's going on here? Well, we will move toward understanding as we see it as being part of a greater story that God is unfolding through the Bible. Um, so what we do then is we read in widening circles of context. We read a word inside the context of a sentence, inside the context of a paragraph, a book, the author's other writings, and then the whole Bible. And this widening circles of context give us great understanding. So please, I encourage you, if there's something that doesn't make sense, don't just go, oh, I don't get that, and move on. Let yourself understand the context in which it was written. And uh, it might take a long time or a short time, but God is willing and able to speak to you and give you understanding if you'll be patient enough to listen. So... Um, if I don't understand something that Debbie says, I don't close off my heart and stop talking or listening. I press in deeper into the relationship and I hear more of what she's trying to say. If you don't understand the Bible, read more of it, not less of it. That's not a solution. So number one, C is for the complete story. That's how we read the Bible. Number two is we look for the, this is O now, we look for the original meaning. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 2, it says we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. We look for the original meaning. And there's a, there's a fancy word that theologians use, and it's the intended meaning. I love this phrase because we want to understand what God was trying to say to us, not what we want him to say to us. So this is the question that we ask here. We say, God, what were you saying to them before we ask the question, what do you want to say to me? I can't actually understand what he wants to say to me until I know what he intended to say to those first listeners, the original audience. This is, uh, <clears throat> this is so important in listening. If I, I, I know that I'm using lots of marriage examples because it's just such a helpful example. But if, I, um, if I'm listening to Debbie and I'm immediately listening to whether how it affects me, I'm actually not listening to her, am I? I'm just listening to how it affects me. But I actually need to listen to her story for, for its own sake, not for what I can get out of that story. This is just healthy, respectful listening of anybody. And it's what we need to do with God's word. If we go, oh, I don't know how it applies to me. Well, maybe it's just not about you just yet. Um, uh, th this is just so important. The idea here, it'll be up on the screen, interpretation precedes application. We need to know who it was written to before we can apply it to our own lives. The Bible is a real book written by real people to real people in a real place and time. Our interpretation can't contradict what they would have understood. Very helpful principle of listening. So I love this phrase. Listen to this. The Bible was written for us, but not to us. Isn't that, isn't that well said? The Bible was written for us. This is what, what God's word says um, for our instruction. But it wasn't written to us. And so we need to understand that intended meaning, that original meaning, in order we can know what was really trying to be communicated, and then we can apply it. So let's be patient in that process of application. To understand the intended meaning, we need to try to understand the history and geography and culture and language and something that's called the occasion, why the book was written to that original audience. And if we don't understand that wider context of who God was originally writing to, it'll never really make sense to us. Uh, Context is a big deal, even culturally. I think about in, uh, this was a number of years ago in our church, and I was, I was preaching on spiritual family. And so I said this. I said, um, <clears throat> we're not looking for volunteers in our church. We're looking for family members. Now, what I'm thinking in my head is volunteer means that you're not really a family member. You're just kind of doing what you're told. <clears throat> and I wanted to get to the heart of the matter, as always, you know. And so uh, what I found out in the Filipino community is I offended some people, or at least confused some people, because uh, those who came from the Victory Church back in the Philippines, being a volunteer is, is highly valued and respected. If I say that I'm a volunteer at my church, that's like, ah, oh, that's so great, good on you. And so to hear the word volunteer be used in a negative way was really quite insulting. Well, my culture 
in context was, was coming up against another culture in context. And as soon as I understood what that culture valued, it's like, oh, you know, oh, I didn't mean that at all. No, volunteering is excellent. Everybody should volunteer. And then I discovered that if they um, want to communicate that to me, that they're not actually going to tell me, that they're going to wait for a kuya to come and talk to me. Well, again, that's brand new. I'm expecting if somebody has a difficulty that they're just going to come and talk to me. But that would be disrespectful. And so they wait for somebody who's kind of a representative from that community, the older brother, come and talk to me. And then, uh, you know, that's a more respectful way to challenge some of, you know, something that I was thinking or doing. Well, if I don't know any of that, it's all quite confusing, isn't it? But in order to properly communicate with another culture, I need to respect and value that culture and understand where they're coming from. Well, this is the same when it comes to biblical cultures. To understand what's going on back then helps me respect and value what's really being communicated. I remember this uh, first hitting me when I was at Regent College back in the 1980s. Dr. James Houston, one of the founders of Regent College, he talked a lot about this thing called the Hebrew mind versus the Greek mind. And when he first said it, I had no idea what he was talking about. But what he was communicating is that in, in Western society, we are, our lineage kind of traces back to, to Greek thought and Greek culture, which is all about being internally uh, organized and right-ordered. So to kind of be in, in self-control and to, to be your own person. Well, in Hebrew culture, and you hear me talk a lot about this, that our health is all relational. Our understanding is relational. To the Hebrew mind, I'm only doing well if I'm in right relationship. And when you're speaking to me, you're, you're speaking to me to, to draw me into an understanding of us. And so it's a much, much more communal um, culture. Well, if we don't know that, lots of things don't make sense in the Bible. But uh, it transformed me when I knew that the culture of that time, the culture that was steeped in being led by God, deeply valued relationship. It changed my life. And you can hear pretty much every sermon. I'm going to go back to that because I believe that this is the heart of what God's word is about and what he was always trying to teach his people. So we need to go back and try to put ourselves in their shoes and understand what they were hearing before we apply it to ourselves. So complete story. We need to listen. The context is the whole story. The context is what was being said to them before being said to us. And then we need the, the, the third context is we need, that's the end context, we need the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We need to have a relationship with God in order to understand what he's saying to us. John 16, 13 says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Remember, the reason why we're reading the Bible is to build a relationship with God. And so here's what we ask. God, please, would you reveal yourself to me? I don't want to fill my head with, with simple Bible facts. I want to know you. And the only way that I'm going to know you is if you reveal yourself. This is called self-disclosure. Imagine being in a relationship where, where the other person never talks about themselves. You couldn't know them, could you? The only way that you know somebody is if they reveal themselves to you. And so this is what we ask God to do. We have his written word, but we need him to reveal his heart and mind 
in what was written down. And only as we worship God in spirit and in truth, John 4. So the only as the spirit and truth come together, do we truly have knowledge, a true knowing of who God is, a knowledge that draws us into him and transforms our hearts. So here's the point here. Intimate knowledge can't be rushed. It's not like, okay, God, who are you? You know, give me your, your top five. What are your strengths, your strength finders? What are you on the Enneagram? Um, did you do the Myers-Briggs? I don't know. Maybe I, you probably invented it. Like, you know, what are you? You can't create a caricature of God. I think, uh, you know, I'm going to say it often, but, you know, I've been married for a long time now, and uh, I'm still discovering the beauty and wonder of who my wife is. You would think after this length of time, I would, I would get it. Well, I understand her way better than I did. But there are dimensions of her that I'm just going, wow. And she just becomes more and more beautiful the more I get to know her. Well, this is exactly what we need to do with God. We need to position ourselves to be patient in letting himself reveal who we are. So let me ask you, how often and long do you read the Bible? If I was to, uh, to talk with Debbie for five minutes once a week, or even three times a week, how long would it take for me to get to know her? I mean, uh, when I read the Bible, I read the Bible. I try not to read super long sections. In the Old Testament, I usually read um, a chapter at a time each day. Or if I'm in the New Testament, I'll read a paragraph or a, or a section. Um, and then what I do is I just, I, I lie on my bed, I close my eyes, I pray, and I just, I just think about it. And I go back, and there was a word that I didn't quite understand, and so I'll, I'll think about that. And, and I'll think about how it connects to something else and something that's going on in my life. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm in his presence thinking about him and what he's wanting to say, who he is. I can't rush that. I think that so much of our, of our intimidation and our ignorance of the Bible is simply that we haven't put in the time to, uh, to understand an other, someone who isn't us. So uh, revelation feels inefficient and vulnerable. But Bible reading is really an act of prayer, isn't it? Oh, Father, reveal yourself. And we try to hear him through his written word. And finally, what we'll look at today is T for tradition. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says, For what I received, I pass on to you. This is Paul speaking, <clears throat> that he puts himself in a, in a, in a line of tradition, that he, he receives some things that now he passes on. And uh, we desperately need to read the Bible in the context of the church. If Bible study is only a private exercise, we will stay ignorant and deceived. If Bible study is just something that I do, it's going to be very easy for me to be deceived and to not understand very much. This whole idea of, of, of love and relationship, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Uh, I heard that through Dr. James Houston. It changed my life. 
He's been walking with Jesus. He knew C.S. Lewis personally, which I think is super cool. Um, he's a, a godly man who loves Jesus. <clears throat> and I needed him to teach me. I needed other people who walk with God to impact me. And his, his teaching has shaped me now for decades. So, you know, if uh, I think about, again, I'm just, I know I'm using this example all the time, but I think about Debbie and I want to get to know her, but sometimes it's just hard to hear her. Uh, my own pride and suspicion and um, confusion and defensiveness, it's just hard to hear. So what I need to do is I need to go for counseling. What's counseling? Well, counseling is I can't hear her. I need someone else to help interpret what she says. I'm, I'm blinded. I'm too defensive. I'm too emotionally charged. I need to hear from, from, from my kids and <clears throat> what their perspective is on, on what their mom is saying or doing. And it's like, oh, okay. <clears throat> but it's that kind of outside input, super helpful, super helpful. So we ask God, <clears throat> excuse me. God, what can I learn from your people, past and present? What can I learn from your people, past and present, from church history, from podcasts and in other churches, from our own church, from my friends, from my family? Uh, we open ourselves up to God's family because God's family has a relationship with God. And we, we discover different attributes and dimensions of who God is by seeing God from their perspective. This is tremendously helpful. Now, those other perspectives aren't authoritative in the sense that they're not directly God's word, but they can help us understand God's word. So we need sermons and small groups and to study to know God's word. And I encourage you, if you're not part of a D group, get involved in a D group. Study the Bible with other Christians. Uh, if if listening on, on, on Sundays is infrequent, I encourage you to make it frequent. I encourage you to, to read other commentaries. I have one, it's a very complex, it's called Logos. It's a very complex, it costs a lot of money, and you know preachers use that to, to study the Bible. But I also have, it's called Olive Tree. It's an app on my phone that's uh, much less expensive. It has commentaries. Commentaries are just people writing on various books of the Bible and what they mean. It's a Bible dictionary. Study the Bible. Um, learn what other people, receive input from other people would be tremendously helpful. So in conclusion, let me ask, uh, do you listen selectively? Do you have selective hearing when it comes to God's word? Do you just have favorite parts? If so, you're missing whole dimensions of who God is. One of the most moving things for me has been to read the major and minor prophets and to track their, um, their messages according to uh, while Israel was, um, was a united kingdom and uh, then they were starting to go into decline in the warnings that happened there. Then when they went into exile, they were taken out of the land, and then when they were post-exile, when they were brought back into Israel. What were the kind of messages that God says to people who are starting to fall away from him, who are really going through a difficult time under really the judgment of God, 
and then how he restores people back. Wow, I'm not going to understand that uh, reading the Apostle Paul. A little bit you do in Peter as he speaks to suffering Christians. But you get the point that uh, that's a harder thing to understand. Um, But it's a dimension of God that is deeply shaping who I am. And if I only hear the happy parts or the easy parts, I'm a lazy listener. And I need to put in the energy to hear the complete story, all that God is trying to say, even the hard parts, because it's often the hard parts that are the most profound. So do you listen selectively? Do you jump to application? When you read the Bible, it's, what what do I do? Uh, uh, What does he want to tell me today? Do you pause and say, what are you just saying? Forget about me for a moment. What do you, what are you wanting to say? I want to listen to you without it quickly being about me. I just want to hear you. So I'm going to try to understand what you were originally trying to say before I personalize it and draw application out of it. Is that difficult for you? Well, it takes time to do that, doesn't it? It can't be rushed. And then, do you, uh, do you rush reading? Or do you wait for God to uh, disclose himself? We're going to be talking about uh, next week how to, how to listen to him even in the con- and understand God's word in the context of living, uh, living it out. But here we want to ask, um, do, you, uh, do you rush your Bible reading? Or do you let yourself just have space and time to think and pray and be with him? I promise you that as you do that, you will gain wisdom, insight, and revelation. And finally, do you mistrust the church? Big C church. Uh, it might be ENV too, but do you mistrust the church? I mean, we look at what's going on now in, in Kamloops, in the, in the residential uh, schools. I, it's just, I mean, when I first heard it, it just, it just hit my heart. And, and you know, it, this is the church killing innocent children and burying them in unmarked, I mean, it's just, it's horrific. It's horrific. And then we read, and find, you know, here in, in London, Ontario, where a homeschooled Christian young man runs over a Muslim family. It's just, it's, it, it's angering and violating, and it's, it's, it's profound injustice and wrongdoing and evil. Well, these are all attached to the church, aren't they? And so do we then say, because there's evil in the church, which of course there is because people are in the church, should I now close my heart to the church? Well, this is my experience. The church is where I found extreme pain and heartache, and the church has blessed me more far and above anyone else. If I'm going to be vulnerable, I've got to risk being hurt. And if I'm going to close off my heart and not listen to or respect anybody else, I'm going to live a very lonely existence. Yes, I need to be wise, but I also need to be vulnerable. 
And unless I open myself up to, to teachers and, uh, and elders and you know, seasoned Christians and even young Christians who are discovering things of God for the first time, oh, it's so invigorating to, to listen to them. Unless I humble myself and open myself up to the church, I will not understand God's word. And I won't understand who God is and how to live a life that pleases him, loves others. So these are the questions when we need to, when we're doing Bible reading, these are very personal questions, aren't they? They're not just about tips and tricks for how to understand the Bible. It's, uh, it's how, do I, how well do I listen? Do I listen in openness and vulnerability and patience? Or do I have a closed heart, impatient, uh, demanding, and just want efficiency? And I just want to be helped. I don't want to know you. I just want to use you as a resource for me. Well, all of these things undermine our ability to understand God's word. And so I'd like to pray for us that we would be able to hear God's word in context, the complete story, the original meaning, needing the spirit of God, and needing the tradition of the church, past and present, to help us understand. Oh, Father, uh, you know, as I've, as I've studied this for this um, small series, I'm so struck by how poorly I listen to you, to others. I'm not a good listener. And so I pray for my friends and I pray for myself that you would give us the grace to hear you in the fullness of what you want to say. That we would understand what you're trying to say and not just how it impacts or benefits us. That we would need your spirit. That we would need church community. Oh, Father, thank you for putting Bible reading in a healthy context to get the full and richest meaning out of it. So we come to you in faith, as we talked about last week, trusting that as we open our heart to you, as we open our heart to your church, family, that we will know you and that that will be good news. Oh, Father, touch our hearts. Help us love your word and engage in a way that is relational and that is about listening, not just collecting useful information. Help us, Jesus. Amen.